thank you, Lord, for the way that you love and the way that you've come.
Children, help me to love. 
splendor of God. I've had renewed um, understanding and new eyes to the power that exists in who God is. And I've also seen new things about who he is. Revelation 7 said, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. And they sang blessing and honor and wisdom 
and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever and amen. And then the angels would do it again. They would rise up and they would see a new dimension. They would see something new. And so they would fall back down and they would say, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor. And then they would bow back down again and they would rise again and they would say, thanksgiving, because every time they saw something new and every time when they saw that new dimension, it took them to a new dimension. My prayer for you for the remainder of the service is that you intentionally set your thoughts to see something new, to hear something. You may see it. Maybe it's something that you hear. Maybe it's something that you feel. But it's going to open your eyes to a new dimension. Maybe you see more than one thing or feel more than one thing. But I encourage you in this moment to be sensitive to the Spirit, to be sensitive to His presence, to be sensitive to the power that is in this room. And that when you leave here today, you leave here with a renewed insight into Him and maybe even something Don't cry. 
to be intentional. Today I'm intentional about receiving you, Father, because you don't give your heart.
so happy to be here with all of y'all today. This is the most special place to me, kind of ever. It's like where I find kind of my middle all the time. Um, and I find it through like talking and conversing with people. And Lauren and I were talking before the service about, we kind of grew up in very similar faith backgrounds, um, very traditional Southern, you know, thinking. And part of that was incredible. Like part of that made me humble and it made me think about the way I talk to people and treat people, which was all good. There was another part of it that um, I was taught kind of that you were born bad or born wrong or born not saved. And then you did things throughout growing up that caused you to be safe eternally. Um, and my, my belief in that has changed somewhat in that I see value in every stage and in every moment of every person's life. And it's all building towards something that's amazing. And the thing that it's building towards is eternal life as we pass it from person to person in our relationships. Like right now I'm getting to do it with Nellie and that's my baby, Nellie. Um, and she's the sweetest, most wonderful thing in the whole world. She wasn't born wrong or bad or not safe. She was born complete the way she was supposed to be. And she is going to grow up and get to give that to other people because of this environment, because I get to be in all these other people that help me be good. And this next song, I think, is playing off what Dusty talked about, about new, about not putting this theological box around God and letting it open up. And when it opens up, what you what I realize is that my job is to think the way I think about Nellie, about every other human being on the planet. And that is really, really hard when they do different stuff than I do, like really different stuff. Um, and as I meditated on this this week, all I could see was this church in the center of this place, loving every single person that walks through the door and every single person that doesn't walk through the door at the same time. That was my meditation. It's, they, they've come out beautiful right here talking, um, but it really was in my mind. So if you, if you take a moment during the song and when you're thinking about the words and you see the people, try to see the people you don't know and try to see them as good because that's how I got to where I am today. See 
of your promise you don't speak in vain no syllable into your As you speak 
That song really, really sets up this talk today about faith. I haven't talked about faith in a long time. I should be ashamed. I mean, that's what our whole life's about is faith, isn't it? And um, I just should be ashamed. I hadn't talked about faith more. And, um, but we're going to make up for it this morning. Is that okay? Yes. You going to help me? Yes. Well, we'll see. You just said you would, so we will see. Uh, let me pray a prayer that God's given me to pray over the last uh, several weeks and may pray the rest of my life. But Father, I just thank you. Let me preach with passion. Let me preach with power and purpose today. May we leave here with greater passion, greater power, and greater purpose in our life. Help me today, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I want to tell you where this came from first. Uh, last Sunday morning, I was in the foyer, and I had two things that happened to me. And because of these two things, this was quickened in my heart this week. And there was a lady, a visitor, a guest from out of town. Actually, she was from out of state. And she came up to me, and I actually walked over to her. Was, uh, I'd met her before, but I was uh, reintroducing myself. And she had this shawl in her hand that she had knitted and she said uh, do you do you bless shawls and uh, I said sure I bless that shawl I, my children go to Episcopal ch uh, school and they bless animals once a year they bring all their pets and they bless them I mean no you can bless anything and everything yes. so we stepped over she, she said well you, when you want to do it after the service or now I said let's do it now and so we walked over into a corner, kind of isolated ourselves, and I began to pray over this shawl. And as I began to pray over the shawl, something just started coming alive in me. And I started praying. I said, God, all the love and all the care and all the kindness that went into making this, the people that she's going to give it to, may all the love and all the kindness and, and all the goodness that was put into it, may it touch their life. May every time it touch, touches them and every time they touch it, let all this love and kindness and goodness just touch them. 
And all of a sudden, I, I had this faith that I haven't thought about in a while just leap inside me. And um, then it wasn't about a minute later, uh, Lady Suzanne Fountain came up to me and she kind of was walking at me like, you know, zeroing in and got something to say. And if you ever talk with Suzanne, when she wants to tell you something, you look in her eyes and you know she's serious about this. And so she walks up to me and she says, you know what this church needs? So I just look at her and say, tell me. And she says, this church needs revival. And I looked at her and I thought, now I know sometimes what revival means to some people. But I tell you what, it happened. My faith was revived. And all this week, I've been seeking God about faith so that we can have a revival about faith. Now, I like renewal. See, we got real smart years ago. We got too smart for our britches. Anybody ever heard that statement? You know, when I was a young man in the ministry, sometimes I was just a little too smart for my britches. And so we did away with a word called revival. We said, we don't need to be revived. We've been revived. And so we stopped having revivals. And we started calling them renewal services. Now, it sounded so much better. It was a, it was a new Christian term that we, that we coined, and it became, we no longer have revivals. We didn't need revival. we just be renewed. Now, we need both. Now, how many know you can't renew something that's dead? Can't renew dead. It's got to come alive. How many know that Jesus didn't renew Lazarus? raised him from the dead he didn't renew him you can't renew dead you can revive it how many's ever you how many know you can't renew a love that's died but you can revive it you can't renew it there's nothing there to renew you can renew something that's got some life to it you can renew something that is tangible and you can kind of mold it and make it better and new but you can't renew dead you got to revive it and there's a lot of scriptures that talk about that awake thou that sleepest rise from the dead and i know there are things in my life over the years that i let die and they had to be revived there were some things in my marriage that died years ago had to be revived there are things that happen periodically in my life that you kind of take for granted needs to be revived. And so I'm going to read a few scriptures. This is not on the PowerPoint, but uh, I have to read these scriptures after this last psalm. The Bible says, faith is substance of things, is the confidence. I'm reading one translation and quoting another. You know. <laughs> so let me get back to the one I'm reading. <laughs> Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through 
Their faith, the people in days of old, earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, and what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. (laughs) By faith, the entire universe was formed by God's command, and not anything that we see existed before he spoke it into existence. This God of the universe didn't even get his hands dirty. How many know it wasn't labor for him? You know, when the Bible says after he had created everything that God rested, how many know that God wasn't tired? He all he did was speak. It wasn't like he had a six-day work week and he was just really, really wore out and tired. No, he rested in what he had done. The Bible says there's a rest to the people of God. That the Bible says that we can enter into a rest. We can enter into a, um, a place with God that, that labor and toil of spirit and soul is peaceful and restful. Come unto me, all ye that are burning heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Rest. And so I started thinking about this word faith and what it does, and I, a few scriptures came to my mind, and the uh, first one was, well, this is not about faith, but this is about seriousness in Luke chapter 14. Now, this message this morning, let me go ahead and tell you. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard. Say hard. How many know some things are hard? Don't blame, blame this on joy. He started this several weeks ago. But he brought up the word hard. Sometimes life gets hard. So blame it on him if you don't like it. But something, how many know exercise is hard? But is it rewarding? Certain things in life are hard to do, but they're rewarding. In Hebrews also 11, he says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he that cometh to God must, say must, believe he is God and a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. There's a lot to that. They must believe he is God. They must believe that he is a rewarder. I'm glad he is a rewarder. I'm glad he's not a tormentor. I'm glad he's not a mean God. I'm glad he's not a God that that I walk around fearing in any moment he's going to drop the hammer down on me. He's a rewarder. Now you got to understand about. I'm going to. I got to slow. I get ahead of himself. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus often... he. He, he calls more people not to follow him than to follow him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Think about that for a moment. He caused more people to stop following him than followed him. One time he had done a fed 5,000 and, and with five loaves of bread and two fish. He had healed people and, and he and the disciples, they're just, man, I'm sure they're just, the disciples are going, man, I'm glad I'm on this team. Man, I'm glad I'm with Jesus. Look at all it, look at all these people following us. There's thousands of people. John, you see all those people? Man, aren't you glad that he chose us to be his disciples, to be with him? Look at all these people. And so Jesus is walking. He, he stops. And he says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to eat my flesh, and you're going to drink my blood. And all of a sudden, the church went from thousands to 12. Thank God I've, I've had people leave, but not that many at one time. That would be really, really, really depressing. And so out of the thousands that was following him, there's 12 left. <laughs> he, Jesus looked at his disciples, and he's not concerned about them. He says, you going to go too? Are you going to leave? And Peter, I love Peter. I know he, he made some blunders a lot, but boy, he hit some out of the ballpark so many times. He said, where are we going to go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We ain't going anywhere. Even though it got to a place in Peter's life where he did not follow. Even when he said he would not deny him, he denied him. Because <laughs> things got hard. One time Jesus said, who do men say that I am? They say you're the son of God. I mean, they say you're this, that, and other. Who do you say? You're the son of the living God. Oh, man, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father in heaven, thou art Peter, thou art a rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And man, it wasn't a breath later. Jesus said, now, let me tell you something. I'm going to be crucified. They're going to kill me. Peter said, Jesus, come here. That, that's not going to happen. Don't you, don't you love... Could you imagine Peter telling Jesus what's going to happen and what's not going to happen? Before the cross, these guys just really didn't get it. Actually, I want to tell you something. Nobody got it till after the cross. Everything before Christ is so chaotic and confusing. If you don't think so, read the Bible. After the cross, things got better. Things got, you, you could understand what was going on. And Peter, Jesus looks at Peter and says, I, I got to get this, okay. Get behind me, Satan. Wow. I've been called a lot of things, but nobody's ever called me Satan. Well, there have been a few, but get behind me, Satan. Now, when I say the word Satan or devil, you got to think about something. But what I want you to think about from now on, and you'll see it as we get further into this. Devil is the word advocate. I mean, not advocate, but adversary. It's something that's against us. 
There's a spirit of this world, how many know, that's against us. There's a spirit of this world that you have to get away from and get into the spirit of Christ. Now let's read this scripture in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. I said, it's going to get hard. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. Now the little translation of that is have the faith of God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no what? No doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. If you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. I, I um, have to apologize to you and ask you to forgive me for uh, some things I've said over the past that, you know, uh, maybe like David when he went against Goliath, you know, he was shaking in his, in his sandals. You know, he wasn't. Bible didn't give any indication that he was shaking any sandals. Matter of fact, all it gives indication to, he walked, he walked toward him with all the confidence in the world. He exactly ran to him. He wasn't, he wasn't, he, he wasn't afraid. He wasn't, he wasn't worried about the outcome of that battle was going to happen. Because he had a God on his side. That, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Think he is. Defiling the children of God. He said, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Confident, faith, no doubt. Well, I decided I've got to take the word either as it is, what it says, or not, right? Let me tell you what doubt is. Doubt's not unbelief. Doubt is believing in the wrong thing. You still got to believe. You're just diverting your belief here to something else. I believe it's going to work out. I believe, I doubt it. It's not going to work out. I believe we are going to make it, Barbara. Uh, I doubt we're going to make it, Barbara. I'm believing one way or the other. I got faith. It's just, where is my, is my faith in the right place? Because I'm going to believe. Did you ever wonder where, you, where your faith, how did you get faith? You know what, well, the Bible says, number one, it's a gift of God. You can't, you can't get, it's just like grace. You go overseas to countries, people that's never heard God, never heard Jesus, never heard those terms, and they have no conception, and missionaries go in, preach the gospel to them, and some way, somehow, they believe. And you know why? Because you don't believe with your head. You believe with your heart. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, but you believe with your heart. God places it in you to be able to just believe him. Isn't that amazing? You, none of us... There, there's thousands and thousands of people just across this county this morning worshiping a God they have never seen, never actually spoken to, worshiping a God that for thousands and thousands of people never seen a miracle, never, God, thousands and thousands of people that they've never had a prayer answered. And they're still worshiping God. 
Where does that faith come from? God put it there. Yes, Jacob, that child's not born mean and bad. The child is born with enormous faith. That he placed it in everybody to believe. The, the easiest thing for people to do is to believe. But we get off track. We get some way, somehow off track. And one of the ways that we do it, and I'm going to jump around. This is not a systematic message, okay? This is not one of those point one, point two, point three. This is... Point 20, point 15, back to point 1, something like that. It may get a little confusing along the way. Church has got to become the church. The people have got, how many know you don't go to church, you are to church? Right. Um, Brad Paisley, I was down at Dusty's the other night, and, and she had some music going, and uh, Brad Paisley was the new song he's got. And, it, and, and, and the verse, the chorus goes like this. I don't know if you believe in heaven. I don't know if you believe in hell. But I believe in the devil, and he's alive and well. Now, when I first heard the chorus, that's what caught my attention. I heard the chorus, and I said, no, bad, 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 bad theology. Bad theology. I want to talk to Brad. Brad, that's bad theology. The devil is not alive and well on planet Earth. He's not. And then I heard the verses. Then I heard the verses. This world is filled with cynicism, criticalness, judgmentalism, hatred. He is alive and well. This world, this, this country needs a revival of kindness. This country needs a revival of... of he says... He just said, have faith in God. But he says, if you don't forgive your brother, don't even worry about it. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even paraphrasing, adding to. That's what he's just saying. Don't, that's no talk. And since talking to me, you gotta, if you've got to ought against your brother, you better get up from here praying for this mountain, get out of your life. You better go straighten that out because me and you are not on the same page. And me and you are not, nothing's going to happen in your life until you get the relationship right. Oh, Buren, that's hard. I said it was going to be hard. It's hard. Relationships are hard. But they're worth it. They're worth it. They're worth it. Get that right. Peter said, if husband and wives, if you're not dwelling together right and you've got stuff going on, it's going to hinder your prayers. And when it hinders your prayers, it hinders your faith. He said, I don't like that. Me either. I don't like it either. It's hard sometimes. But it doesn't matter. I don't like it. There's a lot of things I read in Scripture. I ain't real fond. I don't go, yippee. I like that, God. I'm glad you put that down. I'm glad that you wrote that down for us. I'm glad that, that you said it the way you said it. Thank you for telling me to love my enemy. Oh, I, thank you, God. To, I, just, I love my enemy. Oh, do good to them that do evil to you. Thank you, God. I, I do e- good to those that do me evil. Wow. That's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But you want to do it God's way or your way? 
And it's really not hard when you do it his way. We have, I, I envy Ralph with his coaching because, you know, not probably percentage-wise, I've kind of kept up with him. He's about got a 97% thing going. <clears throat> I told him years ago, and this is bad. This is, I mean, I just prophesied this, but I, I just knew. I said, you're not going to be able to help him. <laughs> I said, well, I said, you ain't, you, you're not going to help this dude. Just don't even, don't even think you're going to get help this guy. He ain't going to help him. It was none of y'all here. <clears throat> and uh, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't help him at all. And every now and then, since then, Ralph will say to a, a, a person, you know, I can't help you. <laughs> I can't help you. That's what Pete Jesus did at times. I can't help you. You won't believe. You, it's time to do and to be who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. And I'm not going to have faith and I'm not going to see mountains moving. I'm not going to see my prayers answered if I walk around with cynicism, criticism, unkindness, unforgiveness, maliciousness, bad-mouthing, ungrateful, unthankful, not appreciative, not praising. I'm not going to have faith. And you're not going to get anything from God. Bearing that's hard. I know. I said it was going to be hard. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Look at this scripture in Matthew uh, chapter 21. I jumped one. You want to go to James? We'll do James. That's the next one. Oh, let's go back to this one. No, let's do that one. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right, let's do this one. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you have faith in what? Don't doubt. You can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything and if you have faith, you'll receive it. Wow. I mean, I'm getting this, this message done. I'm all, you know what? If I, I, I'm so excited about this message that if I feel like I didn't do a good job, I'm going to do it again. I'm, I'm, I'm coming back at you with it. <laughs> and, and so I... Uh, so I go on the internet, and I, I want to, you know, pull up some, some preachers that I really like and see what they're preaching on faith about and, you know, kind of, you know, just hear what they're saying. So I pull up one of my favorite dudes, and I'm scrolling down, and he's got this message called the benefit of doubt. <laughs> I said, oh, man, no, please don't, don't, be, don't let this be saying the opposite of what I'm going to be saying. And it did. Every, everything he said was just the opposite of what I'm, I mean, and, and what, then he put doubt in me. Then I started doubting this message. Then I had to come, no, 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 no. Jesus said, don't doubt. Don't turn your belief somewhere else. Because that's all doubt is. It's diverting what you believe in. You're just diverting it. Because you're still believing well, I, I, I believe I'm going to get well. I, I, don't, I doubt it. Are you believing in the doubt? See, you still got it. You, you're still believing. 
James says, if any man likes wisdom, let him ask it of God. But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he that doubteth is like the waves of the sea. He's just up and down, up and down. He's thrown here, he's thrown there. I wrote down some things that I feel about doubt. Doubt paralyzes and opens us up to deception. Faith moves us forward. Doubt robs us while faith rewards us. Doubt destroys us. Faith builds us up. Cynicism is a cancer that's contagious. Faith is an antidote that is also contagious. Doubt makes hills into mountains. Faith removes them. Cynicism is a savage. Faith civilizes. I love that. We live in a cynical world, church. A cynical world. Where did this thing start? You need any tree you want to eat of, just don't eat of the tree of doubt. Oh, what tree? Is that in the Bible? Tree of doubt? Sure is. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's right. Good and evil. The serpent came to him said, hath God really, what did, did he really say that? Did he really tell you that? And started placing doubt in them and, and then said, if you will eat of this tree, you will be like God when they already were like God. They already were like, they were created in his likeness and in his image. They were already like God, but they doubted it. And they think if I eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, I'm going to be like him, and I already am. Doubt was the first sin, not the fruit. Doubt led them down the wrong road because they doubted what God said. They doubted God. I wrote this down. Doubt doesn't diminish our faith. It redirects it. There's a parable that Jesus said. About once a year, I always go to this parable, maybe twice a year. I don't know if I've gone here this year or not, but if I have, I'm going again. There was a parable Jesus told about the parable uh, of the soil, of a sower, and of a seed. And it's more about the soil, but it's still a parable of a sower, of a seed, and of a soil. And his disciples are together. And I'm going to tell you something about their disciples. They weren't farmers. They were fishermen. And they were tax collectors. And they were zealots. <laughs> they were mean men. They killed people. None of them were farmers. And so they're out where there's these patches of gardens. That's where they did Families had this garden, this garden, and in between there were these paths. And the sower would go and begin to sow the seed. Now, he said some seed fell by the wayside. We'll talk about that in a moment. Some seed fell on shallow ground, some stony ground. Some seed fell on thorny ground, and some seed fell on good ground. Now, look at me, because you ain't never heard this before. If you sow in seed, how many know the ground has already been tilled up? There are no stones. There are no thorns. Not if you know what you're doing. That's, it's ready. It's ready to be 
sown. But where did the wayside come from? Where did the stony come from? Where did the thorny come from? And where did the good come from? Because as it was growing, as it was growing, now the wayside is where everybody walks. Everybody walks. And it's so hard, there's no way any seed can get in that. He didn't, he wasn't purposely, he knew no seed was going to grow on the wayside. He knew that. Yeah, he, he, but when he's sowing, you're just throwing that seed out there, and some of it's going to fall over here where it's, it has no chance to grow. The files of the air immediately get it. Files of the air are all way. I'm telling you, there's some files of the air out there get this seed real quick if you listen to them. There are joy stealers out there, they'll rob you of your joy. There are faith killers out there. Oh, man. They'll get you. Samil, I was thinking about Bobby this week, and Bobby was my first convert, first man I ever led to the Lord. And Bobby got in, got in God and got in church, and he, man, he was so full of joy. Right? He, he was so enthused and happy and excited. And I was with him one day, and this joy stealer came up, faith killer. Now, they called themselves a Christian. <laughs> yeah, they, you got to realize some people call themselves Christians, and they'll steal your joy in a minute. And this guy started to, let me tell you something, son. Anytime that comes out, just back, whoa, 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 back up. When a guy says, let me tell you something, son. I ain't never had a man come up to me and say, let me tell you something, son. And wasn't something bad about it. Never had somebody come up to me, let me tell you something, son. Life is going to get better and better and better. Let me tell you something, son. It ain't going to always be like this. It's going to to be tough, man. Faith's going to... I mean, he started giving him this long list of things. And Bobby went from being... And he went... And I could just see the air coming out of him. He was getting depressed. And as soon as that guy walked away, I popped Bobby on the back and knocked the devil right out of him. I said, man, don't believe that stuff. No, no, that's not true. And Bobby, man, I had to get Bobby all back up, up and where he was supposed to be because a, a joy stealer came around and a faith killer came around. Because they'll do it. They'll do it. You can come to the piano, kitty. Uh, I, uh, I saw, while I was scrolling through messages, I saw one that says, stop going to church, Ken. Now, that one got me. I, I knew the guy, and I knew that what he was saying. But he had this, says, stop going to church. It was the title. And uh, he starts preaching, he tells a story. He was at a, at a lake at, at a marina. And a guy comes up on his boat, him and his son starts yelling, Pastor, I go to your church. We go to your church. We go to your church. And he's what? Good, good. So they greeted each other, you know, and and so Pastor said, Well, uh, what church, which campus do you go to? And the guy said, um, um, he said, what, what's your campus pastor's name? Um I can't think of it. He said, when's the last time you went? This was a couple of weeks ago. 
He says, I, and he didn't even say, I know it. Well, he says, I, I think it was Easter. <laughs> he says, okay. He said, um, he said, would you pray for me? Of course, Pastor, sure, I'll pray for you. What do you mean pray? He said, well, I want you to pray for me and my wife. We're not doing well. We're not doing well. He says, all right, I'll pray for you. And, and about to start, well, and I want you to pray for my son. He's smoking some stuff. He ought not be smoking. <laughs> He said, well, all right, let me start, start to pray. Said, I want you to pray for my finances. I shouldn't have bought that boat. <laughs> so I shouldn't have bought that boat. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I got some financial pressure. He said, all right. So he starts to pray again. He said, and I don't like my job, man. Pray, pray for my job. And so it came to in the past, he says, you need to stop going to church and be the church. And so in Psalm 92, and I'm going to close with these two scriptures. Psalm 92, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow like the cedars of Lebanon. They, they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they'll still produce fruit. They'll remain vital and green. We're going to do a message at the end of the year called How to Stay Young. Looking forward to that, especially at my age. I'm looking really forward to that message. They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There's no evil in him. I like, this is the only translation I know of the New Living that actually puts transplanted. Now I knew other translations say they're planted in the house of the Lord. I knew years ago I looked up the word and it means transplanted. Because you're planted somewhere. You're planted in the world or you're planted in the Lord's house. But you're planted and so what happened to you, to me, at some time in my life, I got transplanted. I got uprooted from the world systems and planted in the house of the Lord. I've been, I'm not, I didn't get up and go to church this morning. I came to the place that I've been transplanted, to a family. There are trees let me read this other scripture in Jeremiah, then I'll close it out. In Jeremiah. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep in the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat, worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green. Wow. The storms are going to come. The heat's going to come. It has come. I don't know if you noticed, but it's been pretty hot. How many know there's another heat besides that heat? There's another heat. Things get heated up. But they that are planted in the right place, they flourish. Now, that's a word you don't normally use, flourish. Now, I walk up to people and say, how are you doing? And they say, I'm blessed or I'm doing well. I end up walked up to somebody and say, how are you doing? I'm flourishing, man. I'm flourishing. I mean, that just don't happen. Matter of fact, they probably look at you real strange. I'm going to say that, though. Somebody comes and asks me how I'm going to do I'm going to just say, I'm flourishing. It means you're vibrant. It means, he says, when you grow old, you'll bear fruit. Because you didn't join a church. You didn't join the kingdom of God. You were transplanted from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You were translated, transplanted from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of God. And that's the reason Jesus called this seed the word 
of the kingdom. I love that term, word of the kingdom. And stand with me. Every word, watch this, every, from now on, every word that's spoken to you, every word that you think of, ask yourself, is this a word of the kingdom? Or is it a word of the world? Exactly. What you think will become, what you say will become. So I got to decide when I'm, these words are coming. Is this a word of the kingdom? Or is this a word of the world? Because I'm going to hear a lot of stuff. I'm going to think a lot of things. And I determine I'm going to make it a word of the kingdom. Or another word. This whole thing's about seeds. From Genesis to Revelation... It's about a seed. The seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Genesis, he's just a serpent. Revelation is a dragon. And it's not a being. Devil's not red with horns and a perforated tail. It's It's an attitude. It's an adversary. It's all over the place. It's anti-Christ. It's it's not going to go with him. It's anti-that. Oh, brother, we're out there. You may see the movie, oh, brother, we're out there. He said, I sold my soul to the devil. He said, oh, man, why'd you say you sold to the devil? And oh, Everett said, what's the devil look like anyway? Oh, he's a long, got a long tail, perforated tail with horns and pitchfork in his hand. He's always wondered what it looked like. And old Pete said, oh, Everett, I mean, uh, Delmar, he done went and got saved. And Delmar started witnessing, man, shouldn't sell your soul to the devil. You say your soul to the devil every time. You sell out the right thoughts the right things you take the word that's not of God and make it your word you sold out you sold your soul to the devil wow something to think about isn't it so if you're in that's hard yep but we need some. We need sometimes to just sober up, don't we? Don't we? Don't every now. Don't you need that every now and then? I do. God sobered me up this week about faith. He says, stop giving people any lead way to doubt. Don't tell them it's okay. Everybody doubts. Stop saying that. Jesus said, don't doubt. Don't do it. You're going to get confused. You're going to get really, really, really confused. The next, see, it took away some fear out of me this week. And it's got me into faith. I'm believing. 
my next step is going to get rid of my paranoia. I, 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 I get paranoid. You ever get paranoid? I get, man, I got to get rid of that thing. It just comes on me every now and then. I smoked dope years ago, and, and we get paranoid, man. And, man, you just, you just and I, it just stayed with me. I didn't leave. That thing's still with me every now and then. Just paranoia just rises up. You think everybody's against you? you know, man, you just get paranoid. Yeah, many, many years ago. Many, 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 many years ago. And um, people get paranoid. And I, man, does it I get paranoid over the kids. And now some of us just good old-fashioned, solid granddaddy protection and overlooking them, you know, looking out for them. And that's good. But I got I just, I don't, I want to get past this paranoia. I mean, whew. Amen. If you want to step into this faith walk with me, you want to step into this arena of Hebrews chapter 11, you want to do that with me? Yeah. So, Bearden, what if uh, it doesn't happen? What if I pray and I don't doubt, but it doesn't happen? What if that happens? It doesn't matter. Three Hebrew children said, our God is able to deliver us. He will deliver us. But if he don't, we're not bowing to y'all's opinions. We're not bowing. Still not going to bow. No matter what happens, we're not going to bow to doubt. We're not going to bow to the world system. Not going to bow to it. Still not going to bow. Not going to do it. Barbara and I was young. We were so poor, we had to believe. Somebody, somebody, boy, insurance rates keeps going up. We're going to all start having belief in healing again. Tell you what, you're going to have to start believing God to heal. These insurance rates keep going up, right? Man, we, we were young. We had no insurance. Dusty gets sick. We didn't take it to the doctor. Prayed for. Really did. I'm not exaggerating. Prayed for. Saw so God heal her numerous times. It's funny when you're young and you got this faith. You just don't doubt. We let doubt creep in. We do. We really do. The band's coming. We're going to close with a song. But thank you for helping us catch up. Um, for some of you, it, it, it's going to take faith because you have doubt that if I give money. Let me, tell, let me say this right quick while they're coming. You never give money. You invest. You, a believer never gives anything away. You can't give anything away. You invest. Because what you give is given back to you. So you, that's an investment. It's not giving anything away. You're just investing. And you're helping us to catch up, and thank you for that. If you haven't tried it, try it. Try tithing. You'll be, you're going to be amazed at what happens. Amazed at what happens. Absolutely astonished is what happens. But don't look at, I'm giving this away. I'm investing this into the kingdom. I'm going to share something with you in a few weeks about missions, but we're going to catch up first before we do that. But um, 
over 50 people. This, this, this campus, if you come by here during the week, Monday through Thursday, over 50 people a week come through those doors for counseling or coaching. That's not even including what pastoral counseling will and myself or Dusty does or anybody else does. That's just people. This church is giving out a lot. People's lives are changed, saved, delivered. You've got to... You, you're investing in the kingdom of God. And so much good is happening. So much good is happening that you don't know of, you don't know about. But it's, it's happening on a daily basis. Amen? Don't doubt.
church this week.